Hello and welcome to the Fit and Free podcast. This is a podcast for women who want it all, to feel strong and confident in their bodies, as well as enjoying a sneaky mug on a Friday night. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist here to teach you how to achieve your body goals without food and your body controlling your life. So let's jump in. guys and welcome back to another episode of the fit and free potty i am currently sitting amongst all my shit because we are flying to amsterdam tomorrow so when you hear this we will already be there oh my god that's so crazy that we're in the land of the amsterdam um, but we are flying tomorrow evening, so I'm super stoked on that, but I'm literally looking and sitting in this room where there's shit everywhere. I don't know about you guys, however, I'm a very visual person and my environment affects me so much. So we're going to be vibing with the mess and we're just going to see how we feel throughout this podcast. Anyone relate to that? Anyway, I'm excited about today's episode because... I have made so, so many mistakes with my fitness journey. I'm turning 30 next year in March, which I was like reflecting on. And I was like, holy shit, I'm so freaking excited about that. It's like 30 years old. Wow, that's so cool. But, well, really, I was thinking about the party I want to plan for it. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, But... I would say like my fitness journey really started when I, you know, started uni. So around 19 years old. So I'm going to really reflect on like the mistakes and the lessons that I have learned over the last 10 years in terms of losing fat and gaining lean muscle. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. The six lessons that I feel are the most fundamental lessons that I have to learn in order to finally change my physique. Because I would say like easily over half of the years, absolutely. No, it wasn't until I was like 27 was I really started to see results, right? Like, so I would say there's a good seven years of inconsistency of doing what I thought I had to do in order to reach my body composition. A lot of tears, a lot of heartache, because it was like just the one thing that I wanted so badly in my life. And it's legit. I was doing so much more than I ever had to, because now I literally train the least and look the best I ever have. So that's why I really wanted to sit down and record this episode, just to give you a little bit of insight and maybe to see where you might be actually moving yourself further away from your goal and maybe you have to do less or maybe you have to have a kick up the bum and you have to be a little bit more consistent, okay? So that's the vibe. That's what we're talking about today. So I'm just going to jump straight into it. Lesson number one is group fitness is not it. And like, take that with a grain of salt. But I do believe that there is a time and a place for group fitness. I really do. Like there, it is so good for community. It's so good for making friends. It's so good for the overall vibe. However, if you have a certain body composition goal, you will reach that so much faster with a personalized exercise plan that actually applies progressive overload 
that is suited to your needs and where you're up to with like your training age, right? Like someone who's been training for one year versus someone who's been training for three years shouldn't really be doing the same exercise program. Sure, the exercises will look similar, but there needs to be different ways of progressive overload because someone who's new to the gym, man, you can just add reps and you can add weight and you'll see progressions. It's not that easy when you become more advanced. You need more advanced techniques of progressive overload to still get the same sort of progression effects. And it's wild because I spent so long jumping around gyms, like trying different group fitness classes like, you know, CrossFit and those 45-minute sessions and different, like, variations of them. It wasn't until I literally got my first strength and conditioning coach, which was after I got my period back. So that's, like, only, like, two and a half years ago. I got results so 10 times faster than what I did from jumping around group fitness classes. And I really wanted to explain why, why this is the case. And... One of the first reasons why is we have to think about like the principles of training. One of the principles of training is specificity. So are you training specifically for your goal, right? And if your goal is to like grow your glutes, your goal is to lose body fat centimeters off your waist, then your exercise program needs to be a reflection of that, right? It's just like, you know, if you actually wanted to increase your running fitness, you're not going to go do a strength training program because that's not going to get you to that goal. And that's this whole thing of group fitness classes. It's not very specific to a, a certain goal because when you think about it, it's like it's catering to such a vast range of people from the age of, you know, 16 sometimes to sometimes you have like 60 year olds in these classes, right? Like it's such a broad range of people and there's just one exercise session that everyone's coming in to do and then everyone's like kind of meant to do it. So when you look at specificity, you can say that it's not really that specific. The second reason why is progressive overload. And one of the, like you could say, one of the good things about group fitness is that you're going in there and you're doing something different every single time. And right, like there's an aspect of that being good in terms of there's variety. So it keeps people coming back. It keeps people engaged. It keeps people, you know, there's a more enjoyable element of it. However, because of this, it's not reaching another principle of progressive overload. And we know if you want to change your body composition, you want to have more muscle mass than fat tissue, you want to break free of that skinny fat cycle, is that we need to be hypertrophy training. And the best way to build muscle is through hypertrophy training and progressive overload. Because how are you ever going to get better at anything if you're not practicing it? right? Like how do we get good at things? Repetition. And that's it. It's the body needs a stimulus. Cool. It needs to be hard enough for it to challenge it. It's ultimately micro tearing your muscles. Then you need the rest. Then you need to come in the next week and do the same thing. But because you've had that rest and you've had adequate protein and the muscles have built back up, they're actually built back even stronger. So you need the new stimulus a little bit more than what you did the week before to still make those gains. And the thing is, is that people think they need that variety to have that stimulus. 
However, when you actually start applying progressive overload and you actually see yourself getting stronger each and every week, that shit is addictive because it, it makes you feel so good. It makes you feel so empowered. So you get that feel good feeling from your training. So you don't need that like constant new stimulus. The next reason why is purely for exercise selection. So let's take the glutes as an example, right? There is three main heads of the glutes. That's the glute medius, the glute maximus, and the glute minimus. And each of those glute muscles are responsible for a different movement pattern in the body. We've got hip abduction, we've got hip extension, and we have external rotation. So it's really, really important because we know the movements of what the glutes do, we also need to train them in a way that's challenging those movement patterns. And that's why like, if you want to grow your glutes, then you need to be training in the movement patterns of hip abduction, hip extension, and hip external rotation. And I've got a really good episode of how to grow your glutes in 2023. There's an episode if you scroll down about what it looks like and what that looks practically is that you need to be training horizontal, you need to be training vertical, and you need to be training laterally. So what that looks like tangibly is you need a combination of like vertical movements. So that's your lunges, your squats, your deadlifts. You need a lot of horizontal movements. So they're your bridges, they're your hip thrusts, and then you need lateral movements. So they're like your crab walks, your cable abductions. Right, So for a well-rounded glute to hit, you know, the whole, the top of it, the bottom of it, and the whole head of it, you need to be mastering those three movement patterns. And, you know, if you're going into these classes that are not necessarily training all of those movement patterns, then you're not going to get the most out of your exercise. And the last thing I want to speak to this is exercise order right? So in a really good setup resistance training program, what you're doing is like you want your compound movements, your hardest movements at the start. When you're the freshest, when you can go up, walk up to the bar with intensity and you can feel really good. And that's where we're training in that really high intensity, you know, that eight out of 10 effort. And this is where you do your strength work. It always comes first. So these exercise, your compound lifts, you know, like five to eight rep ranges at the beginning. Then what you want to be doing is moving then towards your more accessory movements. And this is where the rep ranges vary. We can go, you know, 10, 12, 15, and then even up to 20, right? And that's the layout of how an exercise program should be because of the intensity element of training. We know in order to get muscle gains, and it's quoted in so much research, is that we need to be training close to failure and we need to be training in a really high intensity to actually get some hypertrophic results. And that's the problem with group fitness is sometimes, you know, you're starting on your accessories and then you're doing your compound lifts last when you're already gassed. So like you can't put as much effort into your training, so you're not going to get the most out of it. And why that's important is because your compound lifts are, you want to think about those like more bang for your buck, right? Like people come to me all the time. They're like, yeah, I want to train my triceps. I don't want to train my biceps. I'm like, yeah, well, if you're training your back, like any sort of lat pull down, any sort of pull up, are using your biceps as well. Yes, it's not an isolation movement, but you're engaging your biceps and your back at the same time, like more bang for your buck. Same with your chest movements, also training your triceps. So that's just a really important element to understand there. 
Okay, so number two, there is nothing wrong with having an aesthetic goal. However, there is a problem when our whole world depends on it. When we're tying our worth to our body. When we're saying, I'll only be happy when I look a certain way. I'll only be happy when I fit into these clothes. I'll only be happy when I was the same size as I was three years ago. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're putting so much pressure on achieving something because we believe that once we get there, we're going to be happy. We're going to have freedom. We're going to be able to live our best life because we've perceived all this confidence from achieving something. However, the problem is this, is that because we have that expectation, we put that pressure on ourselves every step of the way, when we're not quite there yet, we make that mean that then we're not good enough, that what we're doing is wrong and what we're doing right now is not working because we're not there yet because ultimately what's happening is that we don't feel good enough as we are right now. And this is the vibe and this is the difference is we have to shift and I did this for years, right? I exercised because I hated my stomach. I exercised because I hated what I looked like. I chose what I was eating because I hated what I looked like in my clothes. It was this vicious cycle of I was trying to, you know, achieve this body goal because I thought that was absolutely all of a sudden that was going to make me happy. However, when I did achieve that body goal, I lost, you know, 10 kilos and I looked at myself and I said to myself, you are the most unhappy you have ever been in your entire life because look at what you've done to get here. You don't socialize. You don't eat any bad foods. You prioritize going to the gym over socializing with your friends. You leave social situations so you can go to the gym. Like, How is that a fulfilled life? And this is why I wanted to talk about this is because there is a difference from choosing exercise and nutrition from a place of self-love and self-respect versus self-hatred and because you're only going to feel worthy if you look a certain way. So one of the biggest lessons that I learned here is you need to detach your worth from your body because you're fucking worthy right now. You're worthy from the day you were born and having less body fat or bigger glutes or a smaller stomach is not going to make you any more lovable. It's not going to make you any more worthy. It's not going to make you anything. It just means you've got bigger glutes and a smaller waist. We create meaning to it because of you know, comparison because of everything that we see on social media, because of ideal beauty standards, right? So this is the thing, right? Like I absolutely love helping women achieve an aesthetic goal. I'm so there for that. And I don't think there needs to be any shame in around it. However, if it is because you're only going to feel good enough, then that's a sign that you need to work on your self-worth. That's a sign that you need to look at what you're giving your power away to Because any time you give your power away and become really reactive is when we like start to self-sabotage, is when we start to over-restrict and over-exercise, right? So it's really important to build a healthy mindset in and around you and self-acceptance and self-love and all of the things whilst 
working towards changing your body composition as well. And this literally was one of the biggest things that I definitely learned. And it's definitely one of the biggest things that helped me the most. Lesson number three is food is not the enemy. We have been conditioned from day dot of can't have too much of that. That's bad. That's a discretionary food. We can only have this in small amounts. Even like growing up, mom, I'm hungry. What can I have to eat? Have fruit. <laughs> like it's literally been our conditioning from the day we were born in terms of like sugar and fat and all this stuff is really bad. So then we create these beliefs of like, I have to eat clean. I can't have those carbohydrates. It's going to make me fat. I can't have too much fat. It's going to make me fat. I can't have that food because it's too high in calories and it's just going to blow my budget, right? So we create these feelings that like food is the enemy. And in reality, food is the thing that makes us feel high freaking vibe. Food is the thing that fuels us. Food is the thing that connects us with our friends. Food is the thing that we, you know, celebrate over and have such good positive experiences around it. And that's why we absolutely need to change the story to calories are not bad and calories are good. And this is something that I've learned during the phase of getting my period back of I was so afraid of calories and eating too much and food. However, now being on the other side of it, I was like, I can't believe I wasn't respecting my body and fueling it what it actually needed for such a long period of time. Like I remember going on holidays in Indonesia and we went to Lombok of all places. We lived there and that was the second time I've been there. Anyway, I remember like having so many meltdowns because the lack of access to quote unquote healthy food was not available. So I'd literally like not eat all day and starve myself because there was no healthy options. But what was that doing? I was an irritable bitch to everybody. I was like constantly stressing and thinking about food. And then when I allowed myself to eat something, I would just always overeat because I was so freaking hungry, right? Leaving myself always just at that square one. Instead of just enjoying food as it is and looking at food as, you know, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, because that's what it is, instead of labeling it as good and bad. And think about it, like white bread and brown bread, let's compare them, right? Like at the end of the day, brown bread and white bread are exactly the same, except brown bread has more fiber in it than white bread, right? (laughs) And like, The thing is, is that yes, there's a total amount of fiber that you need to eat every day. Like yes, to have good digestion, like 22, four grams per day as a female. But like, if you got that through your int, like through your daily intake and you chose to have white bread, but you still reached your fiber targets through like all the fruit and vegetables that you're eating and whole grains and things like that. There's no difference between eating the bread because they're, they're both carbs, right? This is whole thing about processed foods. Can't eat something that's out of a packet. Like think about it. Greek yogurt is quote unquote healthy and clean, but it's Greek yogurt. It's processed and in a packet. <laughs> and then the other thing I wanted to say to this is this like if you are exercising a lot and like, you know, you're going for runs, going to the gym, then having highly processed foods, like simple carbohydrates, like lollies, 
are such a good thing to be consuming because of your high energy demands. If you think about it, like if you try and fill up on foods that are higher in fiber and you have to eat like 2,600 calories and you're filling up on all these veggies, your digestive system will not like that. You'll be bloated, you'll feel really shitty, lethargic, because like the volume of food that you have to consume in order to have that many calories is really hard. So that's why these foods absolutely come into it if you're really active and an active female. Like these foods can be better, you know, like that healthy option. Lesson number four is rest is more important than you think. I was the classic, you know, going, waking up at 5am and going for a run before work and then doing a strength training session. Then in a day I'd go to Pilates and then I would go do my strength training session and then I'd go for a walk. And then on another day I would do, you know, a hit session and then go do a strength training session. Like it's a little bit ridiculous. Now I look back on it and I was like, how the hell was I even functioning? And I was like, of course, you're running off cortisol. Your cortisol would have been so high in adrenaline and would have just pumping it out. Anyway, the point being is that you guys have to remember the equation of growing muscle to change your body composition, right? In order to have more muscle than fat tissue to get a toned physique, you need to have muscle. And the three important things that you need to grow muscle is number one, enough protein. So you need to hit that protein intake. Number two is strength training and progressive overload. Number three is rest. I spoke about it before in terms of like you have to break down your muscles, then you have to rest enough to make them grow bigger. If you're not having that rest time, then don't bother training (laughs) because you're not going to get the adaptations and therefore you're going to be stagnant with your body composition goals. And this is absolutely like one of the biggest reasons why people stay skinny fat is because they're not allowing themselves to rest. And I say this all the time, that the best dosage of exercise is the most that you can recover from. Because you want to think about recovery and rest as like a bell curve, right? So down the bottom of the bell curve, we're going to have not enough stimulus. On the end of the bell curve, we're going to have too much stimulus, right? And that's why we have to find this fine line of in the middle of enough stimulus. So like, come on, get your butt off the couch and let's go. Let's go train to a point of, okay, now you're doing too much and your body can't handle it and you're not recovering properly. So classic signs and symptoms of this is like nagging injuries that don't go away, losing motivation to train, pushing yourself like to go and like, you know, having caffeine, even though you your body doesn't feel like you really want to. Lack of recovery in terms of like central nervous system fatigue. So feeling like really heavy and like lethargic. And then of course, like ongoing muscle soreness that doesn't get better in a normal recovery window of like, like max two days, right? Like lingering more than that. And that's this thing of like, people believe that more is better. When in reality, like the perfect amount is better because more is actually the same as doing not enough as well. So we need to find that beautiful balance of how much you can push yourself and how much you can recover from and ultimately how much you can handle. And this is this thing, right? Like so many people believe that going to the exercise and burning heaps of calories and I used to be that person and I, my last episode was about that. Like, oh yeah, like I need to burn 300 calories in order to be successful. However, it 
like if we're constantly going in and burning heaps of calories, you know, and we're doing these really hard training sessions, what actually happens is that compensatory mechanism. So, you know, the ones that you feel absolutely gassed in after you finish, you know, you might have burned like 500 calories, but then how do you feel in the afternoon? You're tanked. You've got no energy and you just feel like really heavy and really lethargic. So what that's actually doing is then impacting your energy levels and it's impacting your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that's the thing. When that gets impacted, that's going to play more of an effect on changing your body composition because your exercise session is only accountable for like 10% of your total calories that you're burning in a day. Your neat, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis plays much a bigger role in terms of the amount of calories that you burn in a day. So if that's getting affected, then overall your energy expenditure is going down, which is, you know, if your goal is fat loss, it's moving yourself away from that goal. Okay. If you want to know more about that one, go and listen to my exercise to burn calories and what you guys actually need to be doing. Love it. Okay. Next one is number five. Lesson number five is measures of progress. And I love this conversation because I know for a fine fact that so many of my clients are still struggling with this in terms of like measuring progress with progress photos. And yes, I'm here for it. We use progress photos all the time. However, the difference is if having an emotional attachment to those progress photos. If you don't see quote unquote change, we then jumps to the stories of things like, well, I'm not good enough and I haven't seen the result yet and I'm failing and then I'm never going to reach my goal and I don't believe in myself. So then what happens is we self-sabotage. We give up. We feel like we want to change everything. We feel like what's the point and lose that motivation because you're like, well, I'm trying so hard and I'm not seeing any result. And that's the biggest thing here is we have to detach emotion and meaning from these measures of progress. Because if we're constantly, you know, looking at them and then thinking we're not good enough because we haven't seen change. However, meanwhile, we've increased our deadlift by five kilos, increased our hip thrust by 10 kilos and have a good relationship with food and, you know, like really seeing success in other ways. However, because we've got so much emotional attachment to that before and after photo, all of a sudden we're shit, we're failing and we're not good enough, right? And this is this whole piece of meaning. We're meaning machines. We attach meaning to everything. And it's a human experience and that's what we do as humans. And this is the thing that I have to learn is like I had to stop attaching meaning of my worth again or me as a person to these photos because, you know, I'd take these photos and I'll only have a little bit of change because, you know, as you get more advanced, the changes get smaller. I had to detach, stop making it mean that I was failing. What it actually meant was nothing. What it actually meant was maybe I have to change up my nutrition a little bit. Maybe I have to push a little bit harder with my exercise. Maybe I have to, you know, have a little bit more rest so that I can actually recover properly. And that's it. It's changing the meaning of it. So it's not I'm failing and it's not I'm shit. It's like, oh, okay, cool. This is a photo. This is what it looks like. Now let's move on, right? Because if we're constantly in these reactive states, is then when we go and want to change everything and we want to give up. And then that's the biggest mistake that anyone can make 
because that's when we lose consistency. And that's the thing. It's the people that get results are the people who are the most consistent. And yes, you probably don't want to hear it. I understand, but it's fucking true. So that was a massive lesson I learned. I remember like having so much stress and anxiety about leading up to taking this photo. Then I would take the photo and I'd stand there and be like, oh my God, nothing has changed. I look the same. I look bigger. I'm shit. I'm worthless. It's not working. Poor me. And I laugh at that now is because those feelings were absolutely not true. And they are not true for a lot of people. And that's the important reason why we have to remove that emotional attachment from the photos and look at them objectively without the emotions. And I know that's really hard when you're in it and when you're going through it. I absolutely get it. However, but it's like when you can look at it as a way of objectively measuring it, it actually, they become so useful and so handy in terms of the direction that we need to go. Like, I truly believe that like, this attachment to these photos do stem from a place of fear, a place from scarcity, and a, a place of lack of self-trust because there's a lot of people out there who have tried so many things, right, and, you know, tried so many diets and so many before and after photos and they've just never really gotten the result that they wanted. So there's definitely an element of lack of belief, a lack of I don't think that I can actually do this, belief of, I'm so afraid of failure. I'm so afraid of the pain and heartache that that failure causes. So of course there's a lot of emotional attachment to it when we really explore what's really going on under the surface. And that was such a massive lesson I had to learn, not only with progress photos, but also with tracking calories, right? It wasn't about the calories. It was about what the ca- I was making the calories mean. If I went over, then I was a failure. If I went over, I was never going to see results. If I went over, I'm going to be fat forever. And I laugh at myself now because all of those things are not actually true. And they're just fear-based thoughts running through conditioning of limiting beliefs that I used to have. And there's so many people have as well. And I see it all the time. And that's why we just have to, and that's why we have to learn to where all these beliefs are coming from. And that's a lot of what we do inside the Fit and Free Academy is a lot of mindset stuff in behind it. It's because it's our mindset blockages that are stopping us from being consistent. We absolutely have to unpack them and move through them in order to remain consistent. And that ties in perfectly to my last lesson is I was always giving up just way too early. That's the consistency piece. I was, you know, we're conditioned to 12-week challenges, eight-week challenges. So, you know, you do a calorie deficit and you're like, woo, I lost four kilos. And then you're like, woo, put it back on two weeks later. And that's it. It's like people believe that, you know, they'll do this 12-week thing and then they're going to be happy. When reality, like if you're fully serious about changing your body composition, like it takes time. Like you've got to give yourself like – I don't even think now, like my opinion's changed on this. It's not something that you have to give yourself time to. I truly believe that it's a lifestyle that you have to adopt because it's a constant working thing, right? Like if you want a certain body composition, it's something that you will always have to keep working towards. It's not like you put in a year's effort and you get super ripped and then you're going to stay ripped. 
you've got to build the foundations of habits and create the lifestyle and ultimately change your identity if you want to achieve it. Because if you're constantly thinking that you're going to like just do the 12-week challenge and then life's going to be good and you're going to be happy, I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works. Because yeah, sure, do 12 weeks and you're just going to go back to what you were doing before and then things are just going to be shit again. (laughs) And that's the thing. It's like changing my mindset of like, this is not a 12-week thing. This is my life. This is what I do day in, day out. And this is just who I am and what I do. And making that shift and really ultimately changing my identity in towards of I am a fit person. I am a healthy person. I, you know, because I've changed on that identity level, like right now, like I don't really have any specific body composition goals because it's like just what I do and who I am. And the way that I eat and the way that I train, my body is still changing. Absolutely. It's slow, but it's like, well, I'm not putting any effort into this right now. I'm literally eating whatever I want when I want it. My training is just, I'm following a smart training plan. It's like, yeah, I'm not like super ripped and I'm not like, you know, super lean. However, I'm just really comfortable and I'm really happy. And my body composition is still slowly, slowly recomping as I go on. So it's like, I don't even think about it. And it's just something that I just, I think about my business more so than anything, right? So... (laughs) And that's the thing. So changing that mindset for me and changing that piece of I'm doing this for 12 weeks to this is who I am and this is how I'm going to lead my life is results then become easy. It's because then it's just like who you are. So my loves, they're my six lessons that I have learned. And I would love to know what you guys think. Send me a DM. I love your feedback and I love just knowing that you're listening to this and it was helpful for you. If you are loving it and you did love it, can you please just take literally two minutes of your time and write a review on Apple Podcasts? Literally, it really does help me sit here and record these for you because the more ratings that we get, the more feedback that we get is the more it gets pushed out to other people. So as a little value exchange, I would love it if you could literally take a minute of your time and just write a review. And yeah, that's it from me. I've got so many good episodes lined up for you guys. So make sure you are subscribed and I will see you in the next episode. Bye. The number one challenge that all my clients face before we start working together is a lack of clarity on how much and what to eat to lose weight. Often they are making two huge mistakes constantly trying to skip meals or eat under 1600 calories. Secondly, only allowing themselves bad foods like chocolate on the weekend, but end up binging all to tell themselves they're going to start again on Monday. If you feel like you have tried every diet under the sun and still can't figure out what to eat to achieve your weight loss goals, take my free two minute quiz. You can find the link in the show notes down below and it will help you figure out exactly what you're doing wrong with your nutrition and exercise and exactly what to do to fix it so that you can finally be confident in your body and achieve your weight loss goals.